This is The Playbook. David, what's going on, man? Welcome to Dad Edge. No place I'd rather be, no better topic than my favorite occupation. And when I say occupation, I mean that which occupies my mind, my body, and my soul, and that's being a dad. Yeah, man. I, I love it, dude. I, I do have one quick question for you, though, before we get started. It's kind of a fun question. So obviously, the movie Jerry Maguire was based on you, correct? It was based on the firm. Yeah, the, yeah. my sports agency that I was CEO of. Yeah. Um, there's an amalgamation of stories. But Cameron Crowe followed Lee Steinberg around uh, to get the gist of being a change agent of having a higher character. But yes, uh, it was based off of Lee Steinberg Sports Entertainment. Okay, so I'm dying to know this. So I've known my wife since 1996. That was one of the first movies that we saw together when we were dating. So the part, Show Me the Money, is that true in any way? It, it is true uh, to illustrate the scarcity of you know how athletes at that time thought and how to re-engineer. See, the real message that Cameron got by following uh, Lee around and, and learning about our firm was every single athlete had to have a charitable purpose or a cause. And to tie that in, it wasn't just about the money. And most athletes were just concerned about the money. And if that's all they were concerned about, it wasn't going to last. Man, interesting. It's to be honest, I know Jerry Maguire, it's for some dudes, it's kind of like, you know, a chick flick in a way, but I love the storyline and I, I love the characters that were played. And I just thought it was a, and it's one of those all time iconic movies that people quote and are like, Oh yeah, I know exactly what that is. So yeah. It's one of the most quotable movies. And two, it taught me about the business of sports because that movie is in a sports film. It's yeah, a love yeah. story, right? Yeah. And it uses sports as a backdrop to get guys like you and I to show up <laughs> on those dates. And uh, it keeps us interested and cool to say that we went to this love story movie because it had to do about a sports agent in the NFL. Yeah, yeah, I love it, man. Well, hey, I know uh, you're you're probably the most fast and furious guest I've ever had on the Dad Edge podcast. I want to get right to it. Uh, you have an incredible dad story yourself, and when I when I did some research on you in the homework, and you told, I sh I remember you sharing the story on your own podcast. I was like, wow. And what here's what I'll tell you really quickly as you before you share that story. Your story and I, it's it's somewhat similar, but very, very different. So my biological father left when I was nine months old. I didn't know he even existed. I was reunited. And my mom and him were married for four years before that happened. And so it wasn't like an accident or one night stand or a fluke. And then when I was 12, I was reunited with him again, just quickly. And I only had a relationship with him for about six months. And then he left again. And then I ran in, into him by accident when I was 30 in a Starbucks. And for the past 17 years, we've had a relationship um, and it's, it, I know you, our stories are different, but it's this story of dad's leaving and the impact. And I would love for you to share that story. Yeah. It's probably the most impactful story beyond me losing everything. And I'm sure somehow my own self-worth, uh, in how I went down the road to lose over a hundred million dollars was related to trying to compete with, uh, that issue, that trauma of not having a father or having an in and out father. So my dad left when I was five and he was my hero. Uh, he left my mom, six kids, single mom, working two jobs. And it's the seventies. So a lot of people don't realize that deadbeats that dads were real. They could go off, make a ton of money, marry ladies that were closer to my age than, than his. And, you know, th this was real. And my dad literally, I cried during the movie chef 
when he passes up his kids standing outside. And I lived that. I was waiting outside for my dad and he drove by in his convertible Cadillac as I was on food stamps with his gorgeous young new wife and waved to me. And he was supposed to be picking me up. Uh, But anyway, my dad was my hero. One of the biggest guilts that I have is my mom used to work two jobs, pack my dinner in a paper bag, drive us around in a country squire station wagon in Akron, Ohio, filling up turnstiles with greeting cards just so we should eat. And I used to ask my mom sitting in the back of that car, why can't you be more like dad? But he made a really big error. When I was 10, five years after getting divorced, when I was 10, he forgot my birthday. And it was hurtful, but it wasn't something that would ruin our relationship, right? Like I knew my dad was human, but what ruined our relationship is when I asked him, how could he forget my birthday? He said, well, I don't believe in birthdays. And at that moment, I realized my dad was a liar, a cheater, a manipulator, an overseller, a back-end seller. And he minimalized our relationship to the point where he could blatantly lie like a politician when you could prove that that just wasn't true because he was celebrating his birthday, his wife's birthday, my siblings' birthdays. So I told my father then I hated him. And on and off, I talked to him, but, uh, you know, avoided going uh, to see him at all costs. We had moved to San Diego when I was nine. I just avoided him and wouldn't talk to him. It was one period I didn't talk to him for three years uh, at all. He would call. Uh, and he would make my siblings tell me, dad said he loves you. And I tell him to F off, things like that. Yeah. So I, I end up being a millionaire nine months out of law school, multimillionaire by the time I'm 30. By the time I'm 30, I have everything I ever dreamed of. I married my dream girl from fourth grade. I had all the friends in the world. I had a huge custom home. I'm, you know, I have over a hundred million dollars. I'm running Samsung's phone division. This is even before I ran Lee Steinberg. And on my 30th birthday, as everything was going my way, my dad gives me a birthday present. A big box comes and I open it up. I get choked up thinking about the moment. I, I, I was like, oh, my dad gets it. Because as much as you hate your father, you can't hate something you don't love. And I just wanted to have a real father. I wanted to have that hero back into my life. And I, I open it and it's a gorgeous uh, sport coat and I put it on it fits perfectly and I start bawling again and my wife's like what why why are you crying I said it fits me like he he took the time to figure out I, I'm a mutant turtle that you know that I, you can't just buy off the rack when you look like me you know he actually took the time to figure out how to fit me so I so excited and you know I'm so happy and I, I look in the inner see to see if he says you know happy birthday my son or you know especially made for david Meltzer, or even armani you know whatever it was gonna say and he had torn out all the pockets of the jacket i went from complete bliss and joy to rage again and i called him in anger and i said hey why are you punishing me he said what what are you talking about i said i i got the birthday present why are you punishing me i thought this was over he said what are you talking about i said you gave me a jacket I can't wear. Why would you do that? You try to teach me something? He said, actually, I'm worried about you. You're worried about me? Yeah, I'm worried. You're just like me when I was your age. You think money buys you everything, love and happiness. And I wanted to give you something significant. I want you to hang the jacket. It's not for wearing. Like, what are you talking about? He said, hang the jacket in your in your closet to remind you that you can't take anything with you when you're gone. Remind you, money doesn't buy love or happiness. You're just like me. I said, Dad, I, I'm nothing like you. You're a liar. 
a cheater, a manipulator, an overseller, a back-end seller, and I hate you. I hung up the phone. As the years went on, I got into a position running the most notable sports agency in the world. They made the movie Jerry Maguire about it. I not only was a multimillionaire, but I had access that billionaires could even had. I had three daughters under the age of 10. I had my health. I had everything going for me. But slowly and surely, I was destroying all the real relationships in my life. My mom, my best friend told me he didn't want to be around me. And then finally, my wife, I came home at 5.30 in the morning, uh, told me she was going to leave me to take stock in who I was and what I wanted to become. And I told her I hated her. And I went to sleep and I woke up the next morning thinking I'm going to show her, right? I'm going to be what? Just like my dad. I was going to leave. I was going to take the money. I was going to do everything. And I look over and there it was. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie The Natural with the, the bat. That oh, yeah. jacket was my bat. And it was sitting in the closet. And I looked at it. It was painful for me today because I was so lost. I sat there thinking, I hate my dad. I hate my mom. I hate my best friend. I hate my wife. And I hit, when I looked at that jacket, I didn't hate any of them. I hated myself. I was a liar. I was a cheater. I was a manipulator, overseller, back-end seller. I hated myself. And I sat there and listened to taking stock in who I was and what I wanted to become. And for now, the next 16 years since 2006, even though I lost everything in 2008, over $100 million, I'm on a trajectory. I've made everything I ever wanted back. I help, I'm on a mission to empower over a billion people. And the irony is my dad was not the best dad, but he changed my life. And I reunited with him uh, for the, the, those 16 years. Um, I asked him for forgiveness. I forgave myself. He didn't deserve my forgiveness. I deserved forgiveness and I deserve to give him forgiveness for me not for him and we established a great relationship and he passed away uh, July 19th the day after Father's Day four years ago at the age of 80 in peace and ease and love is he the perfect dad not even close but I will tell you very few sons have learned uh, as valuable as a lesson how to live life and although he didn't know how to express his love towards his children he didn't have the same accountability in his life that I had. He truly loved me. And uh, there's parts of me that make me me that are parts of him. And, and that's the importance of that relationship. And he also gave me a great example of what not to do. And I, many times with my four children, I catch myself and I say, that's not who I want to be. I take stock in who I am, not what I don't want to be. You know, it's so first of all, thank you for being unapologetically authentic with your story. Obviously, I, I I feel that, man, on such a deep level. You and I both had like these unbelievable crossroads at the age of 30, right, that happened. You were sent a jacket. Mine was at a Starbucks. And um, these father wounds are so deep. And there's a lot of themes that emerged out of your story, which is self-realization, self forgiveness. You know, a grudge is like drinking poison, right, and hoping the other person is going to pass on. <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's amazing that you took that ownership and, you know, 
I have, I know we're on a time crunch, but I want to ask you two questions as we, as we kind of wrap up the last 10 minutes here. Number one is God bless you. That was my wife. (laughs) And, uh, but number one question is this, you know, men who are fathers and husbands who grew up with trauma, like you and I, um, we can make one of two choices. I'm either going to probably decimate everything in my life because that's all I know, or I'm going to be a pattern breaker. Right. And I think both you and I have done both. And because I've got my own story, I won't go into, but, um, we've done both, but we've pivoted here at, at, at this point in our lives and yours was been 16 years to the good. Right. So I'm very, very curious of what has been most impactful as you've raised your three daughters and then your fourth, I believe a son, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's the question is what have you done differently with your kids? And then the final question I would love to ask you is you just sort of brew on this one is, you know, if you could go back. Like if you could call little David on the phone, you know, like you're here in the future, you could call your eight, 10, 12 year old self and say, Hey man, I want to take you out to dinner. And I just want to give you some advice of things that are going to come, um, throughout your life. And I just want to give you some life lessons. The last question as we wrap up is I would just love to hear, what would you tell yourself? Yeah. So, uh, talk about my parenting and, uh, you know, it's faith-based yeah. You know, I, it's not money-based, you know, for me, it's identifying, making sure that knowing my kids don't listen to me. They, there's plenty of places you can listen to Dave Meltzer. There's books, there's TV shows, there's more content than most people on earth produced by me. They can, they can listen to me anywhere, but my kids watch me. And in my mind, when I'm a parent, I, whether they're actually watching or not, I live to that standard that my 12 year old son, my 23, 21 and 18 year old daughters, they're watching me when I'm in this meeting, when I'm in this interview, but they're, they're watching me. They're not listening. And that's what makes them who they are part and parcel to me connected to and through the greatest source an omniscient, all powerful, all knowing source that loves them more than I love them. And if I can instill that into them that there's something that no i don't know everything right my humility as a parent is i don't know what i don't know i think one of the biggest dangers of being a parent is uh, a thing called ignorant arrogance that's created out of fear you are a parent you know that the last thing we want is something to happen to our children and so we make bad decisions or give bad advice to our children to protect them it's not my job to protect my children they're protected and promoted by an omniscient all-powerful knowing source not me my job is to give them the faith that they are protected and promoted. So when pain, setbacks, failures, mistakes occur in their life that they're learning from, that they know that there's a better place, a better position, a better situation because they are protected and promoted by that source, however they define it. So as a parent, I've learned ignorant arrogance and ignorant humility and to allow my children to watch me and to be very transparent and honest of what I've learned, the dummy tax that I've paid. And uh, I've gotten better too. It's fun about having a 23, 21, 18, and then drop down to a 12 year old uh, is you get better. You get better as a parent. And uh, they all learn different lessons from being faithful and having that security of allowing and instilling values in your children by what they see. Uh, So that's the, the first part. And then I love the second question in the way that you framed it um, because I, you know, I had a lot, a lot of trauma and uh, 
it's it's interesting because I, I would start with the anger, right? Like I just felt so responsible for my mom because I watched her and she worked two jobs and we were on, you know, I I felt so responsible and and I think I'd start by saying, what are you doing to participate in your perceptions? And what are you supposed to learn from it? If young David was there, I'd say, look, you're going to participate in abuse when you're nine. You're going to participate in insecurities. You're going to participate in, you know, unbelievable tests of fortitude and consistency. But I just want you to remember, ask yourself, what are you doing to participate in this perception of you, your parents, your friends? What are you doing to participate in it? Not accountability in the respect of what are you doing to attract this or what did you do, you know, karma. It, it's simply what are you participating in the perception? And most importantly, what are you supposed to learn from it? If I could get out of that mode of, you know, I know everything, I did everything on my own and I'm responsible for everything and everyone, I'm going to show you and actually participate in a perception of enjoying the consistent, persistent pursuit of my potential, not fear-based pursuit of my potential. I think I would have done a lot better off. And even if I didn't understand it, I Dennis Waitley taught me a great line about children. You're planting seeds under trees you may never sit under. And that that to me is powerful. And if I could have planted the seed of participation and a perception and learning from it, uh, someday that tree would have grown probably a lot sooner uh, than it has at 54 years old. Wow, man. I love this. There, there are so many incredible, like I said, themes that have come out of your, just this quick 20 minute interview, story of forgiveness, story of pivoting, a story of faith, right? And then I, I love this, the way you go about raising your kids that, you know, no one's going to love them obviously more than our higher power and God. And then, you know, why we're here right? And, and, and our job as fathers, as we wrap up here, man, uh, first of all, I honor you and thank you for your story and thank you for sharing it very authentically. And the second thing is, is I would love for men to be able to find you, your resources. I know you're not hard to find, but the best way to connect with anything that maybe you have coming out over the next year or just something you want to promote. Yeah. Well, first I want to add one thing and not everybody's happily married. Um, but if you are, you know, being, a great husband is being a great father. Oh, yeah, I, absolutely. I didn't know that. Uh, I almost screwed that up uh, completely. Um, but, you know, for the last 16 years, I've been married 25 years. It's amazing. The better of a husband I am, the better uh, of a father to watch. And uh, I think that's an important thing. Um, I do free Friday trainings for 23 years. I give all my books away for free. I give exercises, guides. I do a training on daddy issues. I do anything I can. My name is David Meltzer. It stands for beloved servant. If you translate it, David means beloved. Meltzer means waiter or servant. So I'm a beloved servant uh, to anyone. Uh, I'm very accessible. So you can email me directly is the best way to contact me, David at dmeltzer.com. I answer all my emails myself. Uh, I can't say the same about all the DMs. We kind of categorize them, you know, <laughs> template them. But I do answer my own emails and I give it out. I will send anyone a book, a guide, audiobook, ebook. I'll sign a copy of the book. I'll pay for shipping. It's not, you know, I'm not looking to make shipping dollars off of you. I'm here to empower you with the dummy tax that I've paid as a dad. And I have uh, 
some uh, great lessons that uh, you can take and, and live uh, in the ability to make a lot of money, help a lot of people and have a lot of fun. I'll come back, Larry. I, I really enjoy this. I want to have you on some of my programs as well. Uh, this is an important thing to me. If Trust me, the world will change if we have better dads. Uh, I know that for a fact. And uh, this time has been well spent. David at dmeltzer.com. David Meltzer, Seltzer with an M. Just Google me or email me directly. Thank you. Oh, you bet. David, thank you so much for coming on, man. This was awesome. Gentlemen, for all the show notes, we'll have this in the links. Don't, not to worry. Go to thedadedge.com forward slash 402 for the show. Again, thedadedge.com forward slash 402. David, thank you so much. This was awesome. You're awesome. Thank you, everyone.